Well, Dad, if you're watching, start your timer now. So we'll see if he's going to time me again. Um, so today I really want to just wish everybody, again, a merry, merry Christmas. And I'm so glad to see as many of you here tonight. It really has been way too long to see this many people here. Um, I kind of want to start with the end in mind. And what I mean by that, there'll be a lot of definition of terms tonight, a lot of origins of words. So the word mass itself basically comes from Latin. Ite missa es is the Latin dismissal at mass. And at the end of mass, we tell people to go out. There's basically a commissioning, a being sent. So mass is like dismissal or go. And so at the end of mass, we have three different dismissals. Go in peace. I almost forgot it. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. And go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. All of them go out to do what you've learned and what you've heard and what you've seen, to preach the gospel to all the ends of the world. So that's what we mean when we say mass. And then, of course, we look at that. I remember when I first learned this as a kid, when I first saw the word Christmas, and then I was just, and I learned, somebody told me that it was like, it's Christ and mass, and you sandwich them together. And I was like, as a little kid, that kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh my goodness, Christ's mass. And so that is the reason that we are here. That is what we've been preparing for. It's the greatest gift that we've been given. And, and those of you who've gotten to know me know I love symbols and signs of the church. So I often like to point them out. And so one of the most important things that we have here in this church is our tabernacle. Our tabernacle right here. After the bread and the wine are consecrated on this altar and they become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, the leftover consecrated bread, the body of Christ, is held inside of this tabernacle. And only a few of you have gotten close enough to see what this actually says on here. It says, et verbum caro factum est, in Latin, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And there's an image of the angel Gabriel and Mary and the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary as Jesus comes into this world. It's an amazing, amazing tabernacle. And one of the most important things about that tabernacle is that when we receive the body and blood of the Christ, body and blood of Christ at Mass, we become a living tabernacle, a living, walking tabernacle. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is 1 Corinthians six nineteen, And it says, you are, a, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. And so we come to this church to receive Christ himself as a living tabernacle, a living tabernacle breathing, walking tabernacle that goes back out into the world. And we hear the light of Christ. We hear all about the light of Christ who illumines a dark world. And so we go out into the world and give the light of Christ to others. We are a faith of tradition that passes on our faith. For those of you who have heard me preach throughout Advent, one of the things I talked about is that we are standing on the shoulders of giants in our faith. St. John the Baptist 
prepared the way for Jesus. And then throughout our lives, there's probably only one or two people in your life that are probably the reason that you're actually in this church. Heroic Catholics in your family, whether they be grandparents or parents or somebody that you knew that passed the faith on to you. And this is where some of you heard me preach last week, and I was talking about the great show, The Mandalorian. And I, and I mentioned to everybody that I was, sometimes I'm a little re- reluctant to mention something like Star Wars. But then I really thought about it, and I said, whether you're a grandparent, a parent, one of the kids here, there's just no way that you've escaped it before. Because you've either seen the movies, or a fan of the movies, your kids were, or your grandparents were, so you've either had to buy toys for it. And then, like I said, Father Brent was here for two years, so I know you know Star Wars. And so I get to use those examples. So the great show, The Mandalorian, that's on Disney Plus right now, The Mandalorian is a little bit like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not a bounty hunter, so that is one gigantic difference between the two. But John the Baptist was somebody who has lived out on the margins, and he separated himself, much like the Mandalorian character is in that Star Wars show. He even wears a helmet, and nobody sees his face, generally speaking. That's kind of his code, is he separates himself from others and is part of kind of a pseudo-religious sect. And what is he doing? It's basically a Star Wars kind of nativity story. He's protecting a baby. In this case, it's a little baby Yoda-like creature. But he's protecting the baby so that it could bring balance to the world. So he's protecting the baby to bring goodness in the world which is exactly why Joseph and Mary are chosen. They're chosen, and Mary gives her divine fiat, her yes, to bring Christ into the world, to bring life into the world. And those of you that have heard me talk about one of the options is the genealogy. And so we didn't have the long genealogy today of all the hard-to-pronounce names. But one of the things I always point out in that genealogy is that if any of the people in that long list of names decided to not be open to life, we don't have the Savior of the world. We don't have Mary. We don't have Joseph. It's such an important part of our church. So just like in the Mandalorian, he's protecting life. He's protecting this little, this little baby Yoda. And then I mentioned the other Star Wars movie, Rogue One. One of the things that's so amazing about that movie is that it reminds us that we have a faith that has been passed on to each other, a faith that people have died for to pass on to other people. In that, in that Rogue One movie, at the very end, the whole movie is about, is it, it is a sacrificial mission. It's a sacrificial mission to take information that is going to overcome evil and death. So we remember from Star Wars, the Death Star, it is a symbol for an evil empire of death. And that information that they're trying to gather at the end of that movie especially is to overcome evil and death, to effectively save the world. And there's this this really poignant, crazy scene where, you know, Darth Vader is pursuing everybody and there's like lasers flying around and everything. And they have like basically something akin to like a thumb drive and they're passing the information on. Guy passes it on and gets killed. And then somebody else passes it on and gets killed but they're trying to save this information so it can be passed on and so that it can give life. 
My other favorite verse of scripture is that there is no greater gift than to lay down your life for your friends. The birth of Jesus in this world is completely inseparable from his death on the cross. Those are the two most important events in history. And people have died. Countless men and women have died for this message. This is the book of the Gospels. This tradition has been passed on for over 2,000 years so that all of us in this church can receive it. And it's amazing for me to be able to see so many of your kids here today because the reason that you're all here together is to pass it on to them, to keep it alive. It is a church of living tradition. It's people that hold the gospel in their heart. It's people that receive Christ and hold him in their hearts to go out and give him to others. It's an amazing, amazing faith tradition. And I was thinking about this Christmas, and it reminded me that in 2017, I had an amazing, you guys know I like to climb things, mountains, rock walls, all kinds of stuff like that. So in 2017, while I was still in seminary in Rome, I got to go climb Kilimanjaro in Tanzania with one of my friends, Father Michael Rubling, who's a priest for Baltimore. And when we went on that climbing trip, I wasn't a priest yet at that point. And so we went on the trip, and we, we did the longest route on the mountain, which is like eight days long. And so one of the things I like about mountaineering is that it really is an analogy for our life and our spiritual life. There are so many ups and downs when you're climbing a mountain, especially one that takes eight days to climb. And so on that particular trip, one of the things that was so poignant was that we were able to have Mass every single day on that mountain, and it was during our Christmas break. And one amazing thing happened on Christmas Eve, on the same night. All of the porters and guides, so to climb Kilimanjaro, you have to have porters and guides, because it helps the economy out there. So you can't even climb it alone, even if you're capable of doing so. So we had a bunch of porters and guides with us. And then my friend, Father Michael, we started to set up for Mass. And all of these porters and guides started to gather around. People that sacrificed their holiday, their Christmas with their family so that they could feed their family to be on a mountain during the holidays. But that Christmas Eve and that Christmas Day, they had Mass and were reminded of the humble people that first see our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes in the flesh into this world. We're humble shepherds. What do shepherds do? They guide their flock. They guide the sheep. What do those porters and guides do on the mountain? They were there to guide us safely up to the summit and back down. And that day, when they saw that it was a mass, that Jesus Christ was going to be present on that mountain, they all gathered around. And we shared some of our tradition and songs, and they shared some of their Christmas tradition and songs. And it was amazing, and it was an amazing thing. But you know what? Also throughout that trip, in between these moments of beauty and amazing things that happened, 
There were times where I was sitting in the tent and I was super, super nauseous because I had altitude sickness. And I remember cradling my Nalgene bottle like a little baby and trying to drink as much as possible just so I would start to feel better. So there were troughs and valleys, just like life, just like in our spiritual life. And I tell this story because I think it's funny. It might be slightly gross, but it's also funny. We were on our way to the summit on summit day and Father Michael is walking in front of me and I'm walking right behind him. And then all of a sudden, he just steps out of line. But then I see him go, blah. And then he throws up, steps right back into line. Throws up two more times. That is what life is like sometimes. It's just like a puke fest. And that's what we have to deal with. But you know what was amazing about that moment? Is that after he threw up three separate times, he always stepped right back in line. And he kept moving towards the summit. That is who Christians are. People that persevere, people that lay down their lives for others for this message. For Jesus Christ being born into the world and him sacrificing his life for us on the cross. I've also mentioned none of this would happen without the cooperation of our Blessed Mother Mary, without her yes to carry out that mission and that task. And ever since then, we're waiting for Jesus to come again into this world, his second coming into the world. And Mary has been the primary messenger who has been preparing us for that. And like I've said before, how much more do we need to believe? Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Cabejo, all of these apparitions that we've seen, we just recently celebrated Our Lady of Guadalupe, these amazing things that science continues to try to study and can't understand. That image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, it still defies any science. The cactus fibers that that's, that, that tilma is made out of and that that image is emblazoned on, they've made other versions of it and they decompose. And yet, this natural fiber still has existed since the 1500s and not decomposed. There are things that defy science. They've been tested by it as well. So many miracles, so many messages to keep us on the road. There's only one destination we really want. We want to be with God in heaven. That's where we want to be oriented towards. Uh, it, but it, like I said, sometimes it's a difficult journey and we get sick and we get discouraged. But like I said, we have so many heroic examples of people that persevere in their faith. And that's who we seek to be. We seek to be those examples for other people, the kind of people that will lay down their lives for others, the kind of people that help others. It's an amazing, amazing gift that we received today. I was watching just a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life shortly before the 4 p.m. Mass today. And there's one thing I never really quite noticed before. And there's, in the beginning of the movie, for those of you who are kind of familiar with it, there's a part where George Bailey is working at kind of like, you know, the, the drugstore, the soda shop, and he's behind the counter. And his future wife, Mary, is sitting across from him, and they have a really funny interaction. And for those of you that remember, George Bailey lost his hearing in his left ear when he saved his brother 
from falling into an icy pond one day. And she leans over while he bends over to get something and says, is this the ear that you can't hear in? George Bailey, I'm going to marry you and love you for the rest of your life. It's an amazing, amazing scene. But I think that we do that a little bit too much with one another. We're like, is this the ear that you can't hear? Let me tell you that I love you. For those of you that are here with your family, look at them and tell them you love them in their good ear. We don't, we don't do it enough. But those of you who have lost somebody in your life that is dear to you, understand what that is like. Tell the people that are in your life that you love them so that they can hear you. Our church is all about these amazing symbols, and this is the way that God shows us through his church that he loves us. Through a church that he founded through a foundation of St. Peter, a sinless man with many faults, somebody that we could kind of identify with. I'm so thankful to see all of you here And I'm so thankful for your faithfulness during a difficult time. This is a time that we will overcome. And all of you being in here and our Tetris-like situation just to get you in here today shows the perseverance and faith that all of you have. God bless you all and Merry Christmas.